Welcome to the podcast Potables Network. You're listening to Punches and Potables brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter and Untapped at Process Potables and on Instagram at Podcast Potables Network. Check out our other shows, namely Postgame Potables, our new pod coming to you immediately following every Eagles game, Power Bombs and Potables, our weekly professional wrestling podcast, and the flagship show talking craft beer and the Sixers, Process Potables. For news, blog posts, infos on breweries we've worked with, and more, check out www.processpotables.com. Punches and Potables is on tap. Cheers, everybody. Welcome to the show, Punches and Potables. My name is Paul Ryan, here with my co-host, Rob Huber. What is going on? And unfortunately, back again, my little brother, Sean Hardy. I don't know why it's unfortunate. You asked me to be here, A. <laughs> and B, the fact you're still going with Paul Ryan is a joke. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to mute him. Where's the mute button? Where's the moderator? We're muting so, his ass. It's over back here. Yeah. <laughs> Far away from you. All right, let's punch these beers open and yeah. let's uh, get it running. What you drinking today, Rob? Today we're looking at ooh, Kane Brewing Company. I'm actually a very big fan. Uh, this one is called Jumping Rainbows, and it is their Imperial Indian or India. I always do that. Imperial India Pale Ale, and we got a full pint boy tonight. I have an Interboro Spirits and Ales Mad Fat Fluid. It's a double dry hopped India Pale Ale. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hold mine up to to my little camera here. I got our, our friends over at 2SP right in Chester, the end. It's a New England double IPA. Uh, clocks in around 9%. Uh, very juicy, very hazy. Uh, pretty sure this is one of the ones that they have with Galaxy Hops, which, uh, as anyone familiar with the shows on our network will know, my absolute favorite hop. Uh, any beer that has Galaxy Hops, I can assure you, is going to be a fantastic drink. Yeah, I'm just now realizing that this one is also 8% as well and quite a juicy boy. Yep. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be be a good time. <laughs> All right. This past Saturday, the pay-per-view UFC 254 went off. There's a lot to discuss. We're going to break down the televised prelims real quick before we open it up for discussion. The first fight was Da Un Jung versus Sam Alvey, and that one came to a split draw. So they're definitely going to run that one back. Shavkat Rachmanov made his UFC debut by tapping out um, Alex Oliveira, fan favorite, with a guillotine, putting him right in the, I would say, mid-card of the welterweight division. Followed up by a stand-up battle at catchweight between Nathaniel Wood and Casey Kenny, and Kenny got the nod in that one. And then you had Ty Tuivasa, knocking out Stefan Struve with five seconds left of the first round. Um, Tuivasa said he needed that one to keep his job because he was on a little bit of a skid. So we're going to open up with the first fight of the night, Magomed Ankalov versus Iwan Kuntelaba. And we said this last week that they were going to come out swinging, and they did not disappoint. And there was no controversy, no question on who won this one. Yeah, but if we go back to last week's episode as well, the one thing I said about their previous fight, the stoppage, 
And what I wanted to see from this one was for this one to just go a little bit further. <laughs> and as exciting as it was, as fun as it was to watch, uh, the overall... I don't want to say domination. I mean, ultimately, it was a first-round TKO, so he was dominant. But, I mean, I thought Kutelaba, for a good portion of the first round at least, you know, did, you know, stay in it. And he was, you know, like you said, throwing some haymakers. Overall, I was I was really hoping that this one would at least go to the second, if not, you know, take us into the third to just see all of that action throughout the fight. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't beat it. Early knockout, and it was absolutely devastating. Yeah, Magomed, uh, he, he was a little bit more composed, a little bit more strategic. And in his, in his strategic approach, uh, it looked like he got Ion coming in wild and he just put him to sleep. There was no question left on this one. There was no way the judges or, or the referee were really going to be able to dictate whether this one finished or not. He came in and he made sure there was no option to even go to a referee or a judge. Yeah. These were both ranked guys, but after this week, I think, think Kunte Laba's probably going to fall out of the rankings. So looking at stuff and the rankings and some of the fighters out there, I think because Iwan is becoming a fan favorite between him just going out and throwing and him painting himself green and coming and weighing in like the Hulk, that they're going to want him to get <laughs> a reasonable fight, someone who can get him back on track. And I was looking, looking, and I saw Pat Cummins was probably a good name to get him back on track. Everybody remembers him from coming in with that bad blow with DC. Yeah, I think that would be a pretty exciting bout right there. Um, and just goes to show you that we've said it before. Uh, you and I, early on, I think either the first or second episode, uh, I know that we've talked about it with Sean as well, that it's not always just going to be about where you're ranked because the crowd appeal is always going to have a factor you know the UFC is a business just like any other and businesses need that revenue and that money coming in so like you said having a guy who goes out there will stand and bang you know is just an exciting fighter to watch and then you have all the additional entertainment value of him showing up to the weigh-ins the way that he was painted and you know I'm sure those antics will definitely continue throughout his career as long as they continue to give him the opportunities to so uh, that that's going to count for something. You know, he might surpass a couple of people and w- see himself in a better fight position than maybe his rank should allow after even just winning this fight, simply because there's a little bit of hype and again that crowd appeal of just wanting to see him in the octagon because it's fun and exciting. You need those guys sometimes. That uh, I'm not going to say this early on that he's not championship material or might not see his way up there, but he's definitely someone that could probably remain within like the top ten or even make his way up a little bit slower just by making sure that he puts this little bit of entertainment value out there and he still goes out and just kind kind of, you know, puts on those uh, fun, impressive fights to watch instead of maybe being more tactical. But, Sean, to your point, uh, he, he was. You know, he was calm, cool, collective, but still was able to make it flashy and make it look like a fun performance to watch. And as for Ankalov, I was looking. I know a lot of people were trying to get him to take a big jump in the rankings, and go after somebody like Nikita Krylov or Johnny Walker. But I still think that is too soon for that big of a jump for him. So I was thinking of uh, the guy who won last week with a big knockout in Jim Crute, who's right around the same ranking as him, should be next to see who takes that next step into the top 10. No, I think he can do it. He's sitting at the 11. Johnny Walker's only sitting at the 9. Johnny Walker has a history of getting knocked out. 
and going in reckless. If he comes in that strategic, why not take on Johnny Walker and switch yourself right up to the nine? I don't think it's that big a step. Actually, really, if you look at the light heavyweight division, outside of the top four, there's really no killers anymore in here. So it's really an open game. There's not. I mean, John Jones was the last real killer that was in the division. Obviously, now you got Blaschewitz, who just destroyed Johnny Walker. Uh, not Johnny Walker, I'm sorry. Dominic Reyes. But this division's really wide open. I'm not saying it's not. It's it's weak. But I'm saying if you're going to make a jump, even Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith's on a skid, right? Mm-hmm. He's dropped a couple. So why not take your shot at him? Why not jump from the 11 to the 7? Plus, for Anthony Smith, it could be a good way for him to get back into the win column. Well, and Anthony keep his ranking. Well, Anthony Smith just took a fight with somebody who was unranked, so we'll see what happens there. But you want some? Yeah, so we talked about that before as well uh, when it came to Johnny Walker and his last victory. So we brought up Anthony Lionheart Smith as being a good potential fight for both of them, and I know that I went off on it a little bit of how much I'd like to see that one, the potential for Walker to beat someone with the name like Lionheart could boost him up a little bit further into the rankings for sure. And then it still would be a fight that people I don't necessarily think would look down on Smith for taking because of Walker and the up-and-coming hype that he has. However, again, he has that ability, (laughs) a very strong one, to wind up knocked out on the canvas. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think between 11 and 9, when when you mentioned Johnny Walker, um, I'm on board with Sean on this one. I I, I don't think it would be too out of reach or unreasonable for them to throw that fight together, and especially if Smith, you're saying, is now just taking a fight with someone who's unranked? Yeah. Screw it. Yeah, make that fight. Let's do that one then. Let's make it Ankalov versus versus Walker, and let's, let's see what happens in the middle of the octagon. Well, I'd like to see Walker take on somebody in front of him and try to move up. Um, maybe like a Volkanustamir or something. But on your note with the Killers, I believe you have two coming back. I believe Gustafson is dropping back down to 205 and Rumble's on his way back, and he said he's fighting at light heavyweight. Um, the next fight was a very one-sided affair. That was Lauren Murphy versus Lilia Shakirova. Um, there was at no point that Shirakova was a threat to Lauren Murphy. It took her to the second round to put her away with that uh, rear naked choke, but yeah, there was no point that Lauren Murphy was not in full control of that fight. I would like to agree with you, but considering Buffalo Wild Wings had like every other minute was cutting <laughs> in and out, so we really have no idea in that sense. But yeah, no, I, I think I said it last week that this should be a walkthrough for Lauren Murphy. It should be an easy payday for Lauren Murphy. However, Vegas didn't have it nearly as big of odds as I thought they were going to. I think Lauren Murphy was only like minus 250 or something like that, which is pretty shocking. But it does put Lauren Murphy, I believe, on a four-fight win streak now, right? Mm-hmm. If I yep. remember right. So she's on a four-fight win streak in arguably the weakest division in the, in the UFC. I think this could actually potentially put her right in line for either the fight away from the title shot or even possibly there. Yeah, and it's sad that one of the most entertaining aspects about this matchup was just the fact that there got to be a little bit of media attention. I mean, just in the MMA and UFC world. But uh, Lilia apparently called out the champ and said, that's the only one she has her eyes on when they said, what's your strategy or what's your plan for Lauren Murphy? And she basically told them that she has absolutely no plan for her because she's the only one that she has plans for is the champ. So how do you come in, like we talked about last week, from 
a fight organization that seemed to be like a bare knuckle boxing organization in Russia. First fight in the UFC, and then you you call out the champ, and then just let your competitor know that you're already done with them and not even considering them a threat. I, I think that's the only like real entertainment I got from this this whole entire thing was realizing that media and that press about that. Because then, if you saw Lauren Murphy didn't touch gloves with her once in between, because um, uh, what we got the second round submission, it was right. Yes. Yeah. So in be- so that initial like tap gloves if you want to, she didn't even put her hands up when Lilia did, and then second round, Lilia went ahead, put her hand out, and then she didn't even acknowledge it. She just went in for it. Like, you know, she you're not going to disrespect her in the rank that she is, even being in the weakest division in UFC. Call out the champ when it's your first fight in the organization. You don't really have a lot of, like, professional or even really amateur fights behind you, and then let Lauren Murphy not disrespect you right back in the octagon. <laughs> Well, we all know Lauren Murphy has a little bit of an attitude and some cockiness to her after that season of The Ultimate Fighter. But looking at it, I think for Lauren Murphy going forward, they should rebook that fight with Cynthia Calvea. That is the fight, I think, to make because, and quite honestly, all the other girls are booked right now. Um, As for, you know, Ilya, um, you know, it was her first fight. She got kind of thrown to the wolves in the top five. So I said maybe give her a ranked opponent, someone at the back end. And I believe I looked at Alexis Davis, who is a veteran, but she's kind of on the back end. So it'll be a real test to see if, you know, Ilya can really stick it with these girls and belong in the UFC. I wouldn't even give her someone ranked. Yeah. I, I would just throw her, if she if you even bring her back, because um, I don't know, if she'd most likely only find a one-fight a one fight deal. I, I don't even know where they found this lady at. So if Russia, you, fair enough. Yeah. Boxing. Yeah, like Gorilla or whatever it was called. So if, if you do, you got to find – So I would throw her someone unranked, up and coming, because obviously she's nowhere near top five uh, competitiveness. So I would throw her down there, see if her and an upcoming girl go at it, and, and go from there. There's no need to throw her into a ranked fight. Yeah, I would honestly say for me it would depend on how COVID is going and the effects that it might still be having on fighters and the uh, opportunity for you know certain people to – get to where the fight is or get to the U.S. or, I mean, Fight Island. That was the last fight on Fight Island as of right now. So, uh, I mean, sure, maybe don't count her out. Give her the opportunity for another one-fight contract or whatever it may have been. Again, I can't imagine either that they gave her any more than that. But, you know, just just throw her on a prelim card that doesn't really have much meaning and say, all right, well, here's your second and final chance because, in my opinion, between – the mindset and attitude, I can understand where, like, you might be like, oh, like, I'm focused on getting the belt. I mean, that's all good and well, but when they're asking you directly about the person you're fighting and your strategy and you're disrespecting them, saying that they're not even a threat when they're a ranked fighter and this is your first one, then on top of that, she did absolutely nothing to impress during the fight itself. So why bring her back? The only reason I could think of in general is just if there's a need for somebody in that weight division who can just step in real quick. Well, she did have a sweet, sweet, you know, late two thousands pop punk haircut. So there's that. Uh, that was that was straight emo. She looked like Gerard Way. <laughs> a very, very Alex Gascard esque. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But the next fight was a fight we really didn't know anything about, and we're questioning why they were on the main card. You questioned. We we both did. Yeah, I, we I all questioned did. it. I'll be I'll be honest. <laughs> and that was Jacob Malcoon versus Philip Halls. But it was entertaining. It didn't go long, but it was entertaining. And with 19 seconds left in the first, Philip Hall's finished him. 
I mean, there's not a lot to say and not a lot to, you know, these are guys who are still relatively unknown. So I really don't know where to place them right now. So we're going to have to wait and see what the UFC has in store for them. But they're definitely two names you want to keep an eye on since they came out and they were willing to go out there and try to make a name for themselves. Yeah, Philip Halls has not necessarily made a name for himself. It's not like he's going to be thrown up in the ranks because of what he did, but he definitely got the attention that he deserved, and he definitely went out there and did what we know Dana White wants to see when you're first getting these opportunities. He says it on Tough. We've heard him say it a million times on the Contender Series, and you know people would walk up to where he was behind the table Uh, And either of those two, as well as at UFC pay-per-views or fight nights, if it's your first time in the octagon under a UFC contract, they all walk right up to him after they did something impressive and then say, how about that? And like he, he, he says it all the time that if you're not going to come in for like the contender series, especially when he's doing little speeches about each and every fighter before he says, if they get a contract or not, if you're not going to come in and put it all out there, then, then he's gonna, he's, you're, you're going to be in the back of his mind. He's going to forget about you. So to come out and dominate the way that Halls did, he, he's, he's got some attention, some good attention on him right now. Anything to add, kid? No, I think you guys kind of hit you know, the nail on the head. I don't really think there's a – I don't really know enough about Philip Halls to really yeah. chime in and say, oh, I think he should go here, I think he should go there. I think he warranted attention of a big name. Um, not a ranked name, yeah. but someone in the division that maybe possibly has a name. Um, other than that, good for him. What were they, welterweights? Middleweights. Middleweights? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I would throw him someone close to the top 15 maybe. I mean, if you really, really want to push it, maybe give him the 15. But other than that, keep him on the prelims for a couple more fights, even though they did shoot him right in the pay-per-view <laughs> on one of the biggest cards um, in the UFC coming up, so I, I would keep him right there, prelim guy, maybe maybe mid-card on like a fight night type deal. Yeah. All right, and the next one was the big heavyweight fight, Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. <laughs> Just we, we all it ends. We, we all said we are pulling for Walt, nice guy, good story, want to see nothing but good things for him, but we all said Volkov was going to win this one. I mean, and good on him for lasting as long as he did, but I feel like there's a lot of ways in MMA, you know, you, you, you typically, when there's a submission or, you know, obviously we've seen plenty of eyes roll into the back of the head when there's like a definitive knockout and you're out immediately as soon as, you know, that that connection hits, but that that look and that dis- distinguishable look of just pure guttural pain from him when that, that, that kick, kick just landed. Oh, like it, it's one of those things where like as guys, when we see some type of viral video or something and someone happens to land incorrectly on a pole in a certain area, you can almost feel it. It was, it was kind of like that watching that when that kick hit, I almost felt like I like lost all the wind out of me, so I can't even imagine what that felt like coming from Volkov. Yeah, Volkov kind of put on a striking clinic against Walt Harris. I, I, I like Walt Harris and all. I have no problems with Walt Harris. Obviously, I hope him to be successful for his personal problems. Well, I guess not problems, but his, his personal life being as bad as it was. But honestly, all it showed was that he's really not at the top end of that competition 
think right now he's one and two in his last three fights. Uh, he did actually go on a bit of a streak. Now that I'm looking at it, he yeah. won. He won three, lost. Well, now he's lost. No, yeah, won three, lost two. So he's, you know, he's three and two in his last five fights. He's down to the eleven in uh, in the rankings right now. So for him, I would actually try and look up. I would probably look back and, and just try and get yourself back into the win column. Mm-hmm. Where on the other side, you got Volkov sitting at the six. I would actually like to see, nah, yeah, probably him against the Derek Lewis might be nice. Get the rematch back. Well, Derek Lewis right now is booked for Curtis Blades. Um, yeah, Blades is going to run through him, dude. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Unless, you know, the Black Beast gets that call from Trump and lands a big one. But for Walt Harris, I was looking at the number, I believe he's 15 after beating Big Ben and Marcin Tybura as his next fight. I think that would be a good one for the two of them because they're both kind of similar. And in Walt Harris's defense, his last two fights were not easy. I mean, there's no easy fights, but when you have to fight Alexander Volkov and Alistair Overeem back-to-back, that can be a bit of an issue. Speaking of Alistair Overeem, that's who I want to see Volkov against. That's the fight to make, in my opinion, Overeem and Volkov. Well, there's something to be said about that for Walt Harris, though, and I don't know if that's what you were uh, kind of alluding to or not. More or less, though, those being... Two difficult fights, and the two people that he had those losses to, you know, in terms of his mentality, I think that's what I think that's something positive that he has to look to. Is a loss a loss? Sure. Is it something that you obviously look forward to or are proud of by any means? No. But instead of thinking, all right, well, now I'm down two, look at who you fought, their rankings, how. Just their names in the sport. Exactly. And just just to think of that, you know, just allow that to just sit in the back of your mind and make you a little bit more comfortable with the fact that you might be on a streak. I don't necessarily know if I would personally. I mean, obviously I'm not him or uh, whatever potential camp or management team he has, but I personally don't think he should look backwards and just try and find a fight that gets him a win so he can break the two or, you know, break the streak. I think that he should you know, really just try and fight someone still within the rankings at least. Well, that's why I said Tybura because they yeah. are similar. And if you look at that fight Tybura just had, he lost that first round, but once he let Big Ben gas out a little bit, he kind of picked Big Ben apart. Yeah. Um, I could see a similar thing where Walt Harris kind of gases out and Tybura could get the win over him, but I don't think Big Ben hits anywhere near as hard as Walt Harris. So if Walt Harris lands some of those bombs like Big Ben did, Tybura might be going to sleep. After our pod last week, I went back and just watched a little bit like more of Walt Harris before uh, Saturday's pay-per-view. And, yeah, I mean, that power, that's, n- that's nothing to you know let your guard down around. All right, moving on to the co-main event. Um, Don't get me wrong, it was a good fight. Good, exciting. Not really exciting until the third round. But a lot on the line, a lot at stake. Um, the first two rounds was a tale of different punches. One guy throwing leg kicks and one guy throwing punches to the head. In both the first two rounds, the exact same amount of strikes were landed for both guys. In the first two rounds, uh, Robert Whitaker landed 25 strikes in the first and second round, and Jared Cannonier landed 19 strikes in the first and second round. But in the third round, it exploded, and both guys went off. And in my mind, that's the round that decided everything. Well, oddly enough, uh, according to the UFC, Robert Whitaker landed 25 strikes in all three rounds because he's at 75 total. 
Um, but as I said to you guys last week, I think Whitaker tapped into his experience in beating him. Uh, he picked apart the body, did get rocked, which is where actually I think his experience came in because he was able to handle being rocked. He was able to recover, and he was able to see out the round. Actually, I was more surprised that he didn't finish uh, Cannoneer when he had him rocked. Yeah, because Cannoneer face-planted. Yeah. Straight up yeah, and face-planted. Yeah, I mean, Whitaker had him stuck. Uh, I'm, I'm actually more surprised he didn't finish him, especially if Cannoneer really, uh, according to Cannoneer, he broke his arm off blocking one of the hits. So, I mean, he was fighting with one arm. I don't know if that's good or bad in the sense that uh, Robert Whitaker didn't finish him at that point with a guy fighting with one arm. I was wondering arm. where you were going to go with that. I don't know if that's good but, or bad. I'm, I'm going to think it's bad. Well, um, you know, it's not as embarrassing as Chuck Liddell breaking Rich Franklin's arm and then getting knocked out by the broken arm. Um, yeah, but I, I, I liked Whitaker. I, I mean, there's only one step for Whitaker at this point. It's got to be up. Yeah, I know a couple people have called him out. I know Costa called him out, but I don't think that's happening. The only fight for him is Izzy at this point. And the only way he doesn't get that fight is if Izzy gets the John Jones fight. The one thing I want to point out, which goes to the entire card, is this is the only fight in the main card that went to a decision. That there was no stoppage. That just tells you how exciting this past weekend was. Now, granted, there were some technical issues, Buffalo Wild Wings, but we were able to see the actual stoppage of the fight for um, Lauren Murphy versus Lilia. But... I mean, we're talking one, two, three, four, five, six fights, and there was only one that made it to decision. That's how crazy this past weekend was. I'm hoping that we get at least a portion of the excitement this upcoming weekend that we did. I'm hoping because in the past that we've brought up the fact that, you know, sometimes when there's not as many well-known people, it's a lot of people trying to impress and make a name for themselves, so maybe they'll really step it up and get into it, but... Overall, that's the the one like takeaway. Sure, the fight was great. Robert Whitaker looked good. You know, uh, it, it wasn't anything too special to watch. But just looking at the whole entire card to see that only one fight out of all of them came to a decision, uh, it it's it's crazy how great this past weekend was. All right, before we get into the main event, I do want to throw out what I think should be next for Cannoneer, and I think Kelvin Gastelum should be the way to go. Okay. Any objections, or what um, do you think? I'm going to look at the rankings really quick, because I, I don't know about Gesslin. I think he's like the 7 or 8 at this point. Of course, my phone's going to slow down now, because I needed something really quick. Um, <laughs> I think I he's know. on a two, a three-fight losing streak, but it was to Israel Adesanya, Darren Till, and Jack Hermanson. So I think he's like the 8 or 9 at this point. And I already said I want to see Costa versus Brunson next, so... I mean, look, why not, why not throw him up against... Uh, Till sign yet? Is Till signed for anyone? Yeah, he fights Jack Hermanson in oh, December. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So why not? You know what? I'd actually like to see him against Yoel. Yoel? Yeah, Maybe. Yoel's the five. You know, Cannoneer's the three. Why drop yourself all the way down to fight the eight? Don't get me wrong. I know I'm the one who constantly preaches you got to fight. But um, well, what about Uriah Hall if he beats Anderson? I mean, good for Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall sitting at the 10. I don't see. I mean, that's that's a big jump for. For Uriah Hall to try and shoot himself up to the three, don't get me wrong, I understand. Anderson Silva is a great name to have on your resume. Uh, however, this isn't 2009 Anderson Silva anymore. This is in 2010. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get to that fight later. But, but um, want, yeah. I mean, I, I actually wouldn't even be opposed to him going against Paul Costa. Go the two against the three. They're both coming off a loss. They're both trying to get themselves right back into title contention. What's the best way to get yourself back into cont- title contention? He struggled with that one. Um <laughs> 
is to stay and fight in a top three ranking. The winner of that would absolutely, I think, be granted the next shot at uh, Adesanya. Unless they want to put, unless they're still trying to push Till if Till beats Hermanson, because he's the only one, him and Hermanson are the only two who haven't fought for the title yet. I mean, maybe. It's the six beating the four, so you would assume they would just swap around Yoel. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't have a problem with it either way. I like Darren Till, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing him. I think the trash talk would be great, and I think he's yeah. Big. Uh, I know we said the same thing about Costa being bit too big and strong for Adesanya, but I think Till has a couple more uh, a couple more aspects to his game that could give Adesanya more problems. Agreed. Yeah, he has better footwork and he's more technical. And wrestling, you know, he's, he's not going to walk in there and just walk forward like a Frankenstein. He's going to try and pick you apart and use that power. And he's good with his elbows and knees too. But kind of like what you said, that's pretty much all of the things that we said about Costa the week before his fight as well. Yeah, but Costa just looked bad. He didn't I, come forward with any of that pressure. Something I, definitely was off there. But I know. We'll I move same, on. same thing can happen. I don't know. Same Ooh, thing can yeah. happen. I don't know if he was that off or Adesanya yeah, made him look that same bad. Same thing can happen. All right, we're going to move on to the main event. Mr. 29-0, and 0, Habib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje. Now, this one was interesting because I didn't look up the judges' scorecards, but on the way here, Sean said that I believe two of the judges actually had Gaethje winning the first round. Yeah, two ga- two judges gave it to Gaethje. But in the second round, it was all Habib, and Habib eventually put him away with that triangle. Well, I mean, one thing that we can just take a look at as well, what I have here is, you know, sure, Habib came away with the win. <clears throat> it was obviously a very emotional one, came with some big news that, of course, we'll get into. But if we're looking at the actual stats of it, so we have total strikes. Habib had 26 Gaethje actually had 29 significant strikes, same exact thing. So, which is crazy to think total strikes and their significant strikes are the same. So every single strike that both Habib as well as Gaethje threw were significant. They weren't throwing trash. They weren't out there just, you know, hoping for an easy win. Both of these fighters, based off of those two stats alone being identical, how many strikes versus those strikes all being significant show you that these are two very well trained veteran athletes in the sport who went in with a game plan and followed it. You know, there was nothing that Gaethje really did wrong. It's just, who are you fighting? One of the goats of the entire MMA world at this point. And then when Khabib did what Khabib does best, you know, it, it, it was all she wrote at that point. Takes you down and smashes. Yeah. But... Habib had some issues coming into that fight. Everybody knows about the loss of his father, but mm-hmm. we found out that night that he was hospitalized a little bit before the fight with a broken foot, which could also have attributed to his struggles in the weight cut. But for those who don't know, after he won, Khabib put his gloves in the cage and he retired. He said his mother didn't want him to take this fight without his father. He promised her this would be his last one. So he beat Justin Gaethje and is retiring, undefeated, 29-0, and 0. 13-0 in the UFC, and he definitely puts himself in the conversation for best lightweight of all time because he did tie the record for most consecutive title fences, and he's right there with BJ Penn, Frankie Edgar, and Benson Henderson for most title defenses in the lightweight division. Yeah, honestly, looking back at the fight, there there was one thing that I actually seen Justin Gaethje do that I didn't really see anyone do against Khabib, and that was to, to attack the legs. I thought he was actually going to have more success. Actually, Khabib was starting to show definite pain on mm-hmm. that leg, and then, you know, he got taken down and triangled out. I've always liked I, – I, 
I've always been indifferent towards Khabib. I shouldn't say liked him. I've never hated him, but I never really liked him. I yeah. kind of thought he was boring, to be honest with you. He picked it up when he got the belt, actually, and got more exciting when he was really finishing people. But his first real, you know, I guess the beginning before he finally got his title push, he, he was very, I guess you could say, a George St. Pierre-esque. He took you down, he battered you, he called it, and, and he won that way. And then he he started getting the finishes, and he started really drawing attention. But he definitely has to be up there as one of the greatest fighters of all time. Definitely one of the best lightweights of all time. The only thing that I think you can really regret with Khabib's career is he didn't get the fight with Tony. That's it. Which, of course, I'd love to see that. I think all of us would love to see that fight. I think it would be uh, an interesting one for Khabib. I think ultimately it would end the same way that a, you know a lot of people more recently have against Khabib. Um, but I do think that it would at least be fun as long as it lasts. <laughs> just to say, um, you know, I, it, it really comes down to the fact that I think Khabib, when he has maybe that initial plan to even stand and bang, and then if there's even like a, a, a slight breeze against his chin, I feel like as soon as that happens, he's like, all right, let me just end this right now. I mean, look at him in the first round against Justin Gaethje. He, he took some you know, shots. I, well, I, he did, but at the same time, he he wasn't taking his time. There, you're in a five round championship bout, and I think the only reason he rushed it a little bit. But what I'm alluding to is the fact that I think Khabib would have ended it in round one if there was still like a full minute and a half to go with that arm bar, or whatever he was trying to go for with that arm. There, he would have nailed it if there wasn't just seconds left to go. Like Justin Gaethje would have been done right there, first round, and that's something that. Yes, the the ground game is obviously something that Khabib is known for, but not that fast usually. Like he was going in there, and it was just clear as soon as like he took a couple hits, it's all right. I'm going to get you down immediately. Go for the submission. Second round, there it is, and it's a done deal. It's just it, as soon as he gets you down, and his control and the amount of pressure he puts on you, and just the strength from training with bears, just he, it, he's unstoppable down there. Well, I think because of the weight cut issues and the broken foot, he felt he had to finish it early, which I understand. Good point. But before we move on, just to throw out some of the things, Khabib was 13-0 and in the UFC, three title defenses, and he holds a record that I don't think anybody will ever break where he did land over 20 takedowns in one fight. Well, I think the other thing that I've been hearing in terms of, like, who's the GOAT is Khabib actually the GOAT because who's the other big name, or the one that everyone still calls the GOAT to this day, and it's not GSP. It's John Jones. Exactly. And their main reasoning for that is title defenses. Well, Khabib doesn't have as many title defenses. At this point, I, I don't know if I personally can consider that a factor. Like, looking at Khabib's history in the UFC, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say just because John Jones has a couple more title defenses that it, it makes him any more of a goat than Khabib. Go ahead, shake your head and tell me why you Go disagree. ahead, throw your two cents in before I move Look, on us on to the next thing. I do not I, I am not a John Jones fan as a person. Seems but like I it. am a realist. The guy has one loss on his UFC resume and it was because of a bad call by the notorious uh I think it was Mazagati. It was either him or Yamasaki. Or Yamasaki. Terrible, terrible terrible officiating. John Jones wiped out two generations worth of fighters. He wiped out the generation before him as a young kid and then wiped out the up-and-coming generation coming in. 
Khabib had multiple layoffs. Don't get me wrong. Again, Khabib, 13-0 in the UFC. It's really hard to do. What's John at this point? I mean, he's got like what? Seven, seven, 17 or 18? 18, yeah. Come on. I, I, and his only loss is a really, really bad DQ. Again, John has had many of off or out of octagon give, issues. We can get onto this later. I don't want to talk about John Jones. I think it was disrespectful <laughs> and very scumbagish that he tried to take Khabib's moment from him. Well, he just Khabib tried to also say, I'm the GOAT. Though he said he, just wanted, to, he just said he wanted to be in the number one pound-for-pound pound rankings for one week while he retired. Okay, it wasn't so, too much to ask. John yeah, Jones, keep your mouth shut. Yes, it is. That's, and that's I a also participation award. Colby Covington. <laughs> that's a literal participation award. Hey, uh, Didn't I'm, you argue for participation awards as long as it went to one of your guys like two weeks ago no, for Carlos no, Condit? No, actually, if you go back to it, I even said Yes, but then I, you said you were hypocritical if it could give you <laughs> Carlos Condit a belt. He already has a belt. He has We're the ultimate about the, participation award. He was which very is an against the participation. He was until I said he could put it on one of his guys, and then he said, "All right, he'll be a little contradictory." But no. No. we're gonna have what? to go back and you actually should. check it. But <laughs> also, Colby Covington oh, taking God. a shot at Khabib, saying the only reason he didn't go up to one seventy was because Colby was there. You're <laughs> delusional, my dude. But you just wanted to talk about Colby somehow. Negatively. We talked about this in the car. <laughs> Shush. In the car. But, He's going to turn this car now that around. The, now that the title is vacant, <laughs> what do we do with it? I'll let you guys go first before I tell you why you're wrong. So, go ahead, kid. Oh, thank God, Paul. I would never have known. I would say do an eight-man tournament. Um, you know, it's the one thing that I think Bellator does phenomenally that I think the UFC should have adapted. I think, as I can recall, outside of the first couple UFCs before they developed weight classes... It was, it, you know, the only the last tournament I can recall is when the flyweight was was brought in when they did a four man tournament. At this point, I think you should do anywhere the strawweight Ultimate Fighter. I'm not even counting the Ultimate Fighter because yeah. if that's the case, you could also count it as they did that. That's literally a that's tournament. a tournament in itself. Yeah. In itself, yeah. I'm talking like they put four guys down there and they said, "You for it, you're fighting for a belt." I'd actually like to see him do it with the top eight with the UFC. I, I, well, I'd like I'm him to assuming it. you have to take one of those top eight out to put in Chandler. I didn't even think about Chandler. They got to put him in. A, at this point, rank him. Oh, they might have ranked him because they, the they, they just pretty came much out have at this point because all of the things that they're posting direct from UFC in terms of like their Instagram and all of that. In terms of the, I mean, first it was Chandler's idea, and for all of you who are going to listen and not watch us live on Twitch here, uh, I am going hard on the air quotes because it was Chandler's idea, a.k.a. they floated it to him and he was the one to present it to the media because he's the guy who came from Bellator. So you're not going to have him put the idea out there and then not include him, especially like we stated last week, or I definitely did, uh, that you were the guy that was going to replace either Habib or Gaethje. So you are already in contention in their eyes. So he has to be a part of it, regardless if you like it or not. And all of the photos they've been putting out there on, I think, the six fighters that they have, he's already one of them. So I I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Mike Chandler, if there is going to be a tournament like that, is going to be one of the fighters. So the eight people you'll be putting in would be Gaethje, Poirier, Mm -hmm. Tony, um, Tony, Connor, Booker, Chandler, Felder, and Oliveira. Yeah, I just really thought about it, though. I mean, I'd like to see the eight-man tournament, but there's no way they're going to make Connor fighting something like that. Um, I, I, at best, four. They're going to make Connor fight twi- well, one, win one and get right for the title shot. So if you do an eight-man, it wouldn't work for Connor's schedule, and therefore the UFC wouldn't do it. So 
as much as I'd like to see the eight-man tournament, um, I think you might get a four, and you're going to get Gaethje against Connor and Dustin against Tony, and then winner fights for the belt. Well, it might work. that, but And that then Chandler if... will get probably someone in between, and if he okay. wins that, I was just about to say, over. he'll probably get Hooker, and then whoever was like one of the losers of that fight, is he'll, he'll get bumped up to it. Only yeah. way Connor be okay with that is if he goes with his original plan that he tried to say when he fought Cerrone, he's wanting to fight three times a year. But that means we'd also have to get down to lightweight and stop trying to get all these lightweight fights at welterweight. But we'll move on to the, to you. What do you think they should do? I mean, I'm right on board with the tournament. It's just, I mean, I've, I put it out there in, um, you know, as we share stuff throughout the week and on Facebook and everything, it's just, I'm a huge McGregor fan when it comes to inside the octagon, but he's retired, then he's not, then he's going to take a fight at, what was it, 170, and then there was comments made about how you don't get to fight for the belt, and Dana backed it and was saying, no, like they're not going to be considered as the number one contender if they're not actually fighting at the proper weight. It's like, I, I honestly, as much as I want to see him fight again as a fan of his fighting technique and who he is in the octagon, I really just don't even think that he deserves to even be in the conversation, and that hurts me, but I don't, and I saw that picture, and it pissed me off because I didn't like seeing him up there when he's technically right now retired. Well, look, let's let's put it this way. He shouldn't even be in the lightweight rankings. You want to know how True. many t- uh, times he's fought at lightweight? Twice. Yeah. Eddie Alvarez for some and Habib. Yeah. No, That's I think it. this second fight with Diaz was 55. Nope, they wanted to do it 55. Connor refused because he lost at welterweight. He wanted the rematch to be at welterweight. Mm. So he shouldn't even be in the lightweight rankings and shouldn't even be in this conversation, but he is because he's the fan favorite. He's the he's golden the boy, and he's Dana's little monster that he created. <laughs> but here's why you're both wrong. It's a very easy solution. Oh, thank God. Here it comes, Paul. There were two people who held a belt while Habib was champion. Me. They both lost to Habib. It sucks, but they're both relevant. They're both in the conversation, and they both won a rematch. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje. That will sell. They were the last two interim champions and the last two people who were were champion who weren't named Habib Nurmagomedov, and they're one and two in the rankings. So I guess here's my question is, if they decide to go tournament bracket style and they've already at least non-officially signed or vocal agreement or virtual agreement between Connor and Poirier, would that be the first round? Well, would, would would they then say, okay, well, now with Khabib retiring? Yeah, exactly. I see you shaking your head. I don't think that that would be a first-round one. I feel like no. those two would have to fight other people and make their way you to know, one you another. Know what I think they're well, they do. said that Dustin and Connor, only one person has actually signed the contract. That and that's, yeah, that's why I said virtual. So you know. that's why Gaethje also threw it out there that he doesn't think Connor will sign. And if they offer him the title fight against Gaethje, because Gaethje's a fight he wanted, that, they will, that he will jump over and fight Gaethje, and that's the title fight, which I don't like but I can see them doing it because I can't see a title conversation right now without Gaethje in it. So if you're going to do a tournament, it would have to be, in my opinion, a six-man tournament with the one and two in the rankings getting a first-round bye. So you would have Gaethje and Dustin get a first-round bye, and you would have Chandler, McGregor, Tony, and Hooker in the first round. Um, I'm going to tell us why we're all wrong, guys, because <laughs> Connor's going to sign that contract and it's going to get pushed back to January when Dana White wants it. Well, it's yep. already been, they already White said it was going to be. going to put it for the belt. It's going for the belt. Gaethje's no. getting put on the back burner. No, I, I will. Th- I think they'll book Gaethje because I Connor wants that fight more than he wants I, Poirier. I don't. 
I think he's going to sign it because he thinks Poirier is going to be an easier fight. He's going to take the easier road, and he's going to take the Connors way of easier road because he already, as he says all the time, I already slept you. I already put you out in like 48 seconds. Connor's going to push for the belt, and Dana White is going to look at the money sign that's coming in. He's going to sell it. They already did it at 35. At 35, you know, they threw Jose Aldo, who was like the 7 or 8 at the time for the fight, for the belt, rather than actually doing the 1 and 2. So we're all wrong in this. It's going to be Poirier-Connor for the belt, and Gaethje will either probably... I think they'll move it to Gaethje because Connor actually has some bad blood with Gaethje because Gaethje told him he was a bad father and role model for his kid. So if he has the chance to jump over there, and right now Gaethje is the bigger name and will sell more, Connor will always go for the money. Is Connor he, will go for really? the win, though. Yeah. I think Connor will go for the win. No, Connor always goes for the money first. The I, win comes after. I mean, as stupid as he is in his personal life and the amount of money that he has to throw away to lawsuits and all of these different things and settlements and all, the guy is still filthy rich. If you don't think right now in his life that he's even smart enough to say, I need a W more than I need an extra couple hundred thousand when his liquor is selling off the shelves nonstop still where we, and that's only like, you know, even in the U S that's still, it's going off. I can only imagine that in Ireland where they still have the utmost pride in him, no matter what he does, he could murder somebody in the streets and you know, the people actually in Ireland are still going to like praise his name. They're going to buy that off the show. The guy is getting revenue everywhere. I think if it is a matter of what would essentially be to him, nope, because you know, pennies on the dollar, I think he'd rather take a win right now than he would a bigger paycheck. Nope. Especially with the belt. Exactly. Nope, nope, nope. Well, I, mean, I don't agree money. with you that that's going to happen. If it's it does, happening. I will lose my it's shit. Happening. Like, I don't like, think that I don't, is ridiculous the second to even could think be about. Retired, You're you getting know, Connor. Dana texted him and said, you know, he texted Dana and said, You're up, baby I boy. see that vacant belt, <laughs> and you know I'm going to sell. All right. Well, again, I think if these fights were coming up, if he had the choice between Dustin or, or Gaethje, or he had the money fight with Pacquiao, he'd take Pacquiao. I think he's all about the money, and money comes first, just like with Jorge Masvidal. But we're going to move on to the next one. Kamzat Chimaev finally signed, got his fight. He's fighting Leon Edwards. I think it's kind of BS what happened to Leon getting stripped from the rankings the way he did. I know you already disagree with me um, because it is a weird time. It took him six months to be able to get out of the country, and then he wanted a relevant fight to move himself for the title. But now he's going to have to try to derail the hype train. It is what it is. But I know for you, Magni, you can fill us in what Magni said, and you can fill us in what uh, Weidman. So start with what what happened with him and Magni. And then we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, really what it comes down to is, you know, because earlier you made the comment, uh, at least off the podcast, I think, uh, about how uh, Magni said that he's essentially picking an easier fight or that his team is picking an easier fight for him, you know, by going to Leon Edwards instead of facing him. But in actuality, I mean, that's just that's just headlines. If you look at the actual quotes and everything that he said, he legitimately says, I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn and then say that fighting the number eight guy is a better deal than fighting the number three. So he's already acknowledging the rankings. He's just saying that he thinks that Edwards is the 
easier fight for him stylistically, and that's why his team is pushing for the Leon Edwards one and why they went with that route instead of going with Magny. Not so much because of the rankings or anything there, but stylistically he thinks that his team believes that Leon Edwards is the easier fight. Not so much that even Magny says that, oh, he's the easier fight because I'm the better fighter out of all three of these you know, people. It's because he's just saying stylistically, I think that Leon Edwards would be a better fight for him. And he's, he's and maybe there's a little jealousy. He just wants to get in the ring and knock him the fuck out. That's all. Well, I mean, he pulled it. Weidman said it was signed. I think they were signed for January. And Weidman had a, something wrong with the cartilage in his ribs. He said it's a tough injury to get through. Um, I actually like the fight in a sense that uh, last week we were kind of saying, like, you know, this hype train's got to slow down a little bit, take mm-hmm. a top ten. Well, now he's getting a guy who's been ranked in the top five who's no longer ranked. So if you really want to see how good the kid is, I mean, he could literally beat Leon Edwards and jump into the top five, which he possibly should because Leon Edwards was, what, the four? Three. When three? He got okay. three. Yeah. So the three. So you're, you're literally beating the three who's on a pretty hefty winning streak. Eight-fight win streak with wins over RDA, Gunnar Nelson, Cowboy, and Carlos Condit. When you just said all of those names, could you help but like feel like you were like <laughs> commentating WWE instead of the UFC? It was like um, Gunnar Nelson, Cowboy. <laughs> he doesn't have a win over Carlos Condit. Or was it Diego? Literally looking at his thing. Was it Diego Sanchez? Yeah, no, I don't even know where you're getting your guys from here, but um, <laughs> there was another. Big I mean, he's name. got RDA, Gunnar Nelson, and Donald Cerrone. There was I mean, another he, name in yeah. there. Somewhere. I mean, well, those three alone yeah, are. Yeah, those you know, three. That, that's, I mean, yeah, that's that's enough. Vincent to... Luque's all right. Albert. Oh, that was a Vincente Luque who's and at the back end of the top ten. Brian Barberina. Bam Bam Barberina. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't have bad wins. I mean, he he got a little unlucky in the sense that COVID hit when he was supposed to fight, but and I and I know you guys are all very pro, like, oh, he shouldn't have got pulled, but I'm on the other side, like. Everyone else got hit with the same problems. All these other guys managed to find ways to fight. I know you can say Kiesa said I'm taking the time off him. Whatever, if he gets pulled, pull him. I'm all for it. Wonder pull Boy is another one who hasn't fought in over a year. I, pull him. I, I, I'm all for it. I, I prefer the fighters to be active. I don't think you, if you're not getting what you want campaign-wise, all right, well, that's your fault. You know, if these fighters don't want to fight you and they got other stuff going on, your job's to fight. So if you're not fighting because these guys you're campaigning for aren't accepting your fights... You're still not fighting. You're still not doing your job. If you and I don't do our job, we get sent home. We get fired. All right, he wasn't doing his job. His job's to fight. He wasn't doing it. They pulled him. It is what it is. However, back to, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, dude. Kamzat Chemayev. What he said. Um, <laughs> it's it's a great step up for him. Honestly, if he wins this, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked with his hype train that he's not one fight away from a potential title bout. It's crazy. Yeah, well, he has knockout power, but I feel Leon is the more polished striker. If he can take Leon to the ground, he can and will submit him. So Leon's definitely got to work on his uh, takedown defense and just box him. Just box him and keep him outside and pick him apart. (sighs) Paul, do you practice all these names in, like, the mirror before you come or anything? Or... (laughs) If like, I think I can pronounce them, I try to pronounce them, but you've heard me multiple times. I ain't got a prayer. No, you usually do pretty well. I'm, all, I'm fairly impressed most of the time, which is I why. I don't get how you can I, say a name like that and struggle with podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Potables. You can say all these names, but you thought Matisse Steibel sounded foreign. <laughs> or the fact that uh, Lilia, all, all earlier during this podcast, you were saying Alilala. And I was just like, Alilala. 
Hey, I love it. Arugula. But, I but screw Cosmos up somewhere. For however it is, is, is like Shemaya. Yeah, just yeah, rolls. Like Mike. Just just rolls off the tongue. Apparently, but Lilia is just Damn right. really hard. But all right, all right, we're going to move on. So you're talking about you. Kiss my ass. The Ultimate Fighter. What do they do with it? They've had rumors of two different sets of coaches that didn't work out. Israel versus Costa and Khabib and Connor. So, who do you guys think should coach and why? I'll start off with Rob. So, I know the more popular ones that have been getting thrown out would be uh, Jorge versus Colby, uh, Israel Adesanya versus John Jones. Uh, Ultimately, I think one that would be hilarious. It would make for good TV. I would watch every single episode just, you know, so so enthusiastically would be Darren Till versus Mike Perry. Please make this happen, Dana White. I know it would at points be absolutely horrible. The tough fighters might not really learn too awful much when it comes to Team Perry, but how crazy would that be? Darren Till, Mike Perry, and then Mike Perry's assistant coach, his girlfriend. Well, make it happen. It would add more material to Darren Till's website, MikePerryIsABum.com. Exactly. But, all right, Sean, you? Yeah, on the other side of it, um, as I just said to you guys about seven or eight minutes ago, you can do one for the lightweight belt. Good old Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, because, again, McGregor will sell as a coach. He will boost the ratings of a dead show, because that show has been pretty much dead outside of the TJ mm-hmm. Garbrandt, and that's because people were all about the – BS that Garbrandt bought, brought to the table. You put them up there, they fight for the belt, that's your new lightweight champ. Well, I'm going to keep Connor in there, but I'm still sticking to the premise that Dustin and Gaethje are going to fight for the belt. And I think you keep this hype train going and pushing this guy and throw in Michael Chandler and have it as a number one contender's fight when they fight after the season. I don't know why that's so much more weird to me than him being a ranked fighter right off the bat. Like, that, that, to me, doesn't surprise me as much as, like, but for some reason thinking of, like, hey, you haven't even fought for us yet. Please go coach. Like well, that, 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 for man. some reason, that just throws Well, there's me a off. lot more value in their portfolio if you can save the ratings of an entire television program than winning one fight to be back in good graces. Yeah, they have all this hype around them. You brought them in with the hype. Keep the hype train going and put them against your moneymaker. I mean, you could. If McGregor's a coach on that show, it would be the first season I ever watched. You just hate it because they're both your boys. I know. I wouldn't know who to root for. (laughs) And it pisses me off. And then you could have a five-round main event after the, uh, of course, I'll put it on pay-per-view. After the season ends, Chandler versus Connor. Winner gets the winner of Dustin and Gaethje for the belt. I hate this. I hate this so much and then you because can, it could be an actual thing that happens. Then you can book Tony Ferguson versus Dan Hooker. Be honest with you, I don't think Conor McGregor's going to do another Ultimate Fighter, guys. I mean, it depends on how much money there is. He was already in the talks about it when it came to like him versus Khabib. And Khabib walked away because he couldn't put put up with Conor's bullshit for all that time. I think he was a one and done when he, fought, when he did it against Uriah, like, I don't know, four years ago or something like that. I think it was when he was going for Aldo's belt at the time, or he might have mm-hmm. had the belt. I don't remember. No, Aldo still had the belt. Yeah. It was when he was training for it, which was weird because it's not often you have a season where the fight, where the coaches don't fight. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I would actually, I mean, you could even do Tony against uh, Hooker, uh, Tony against Hooker, maybe even Tony against Poirier, and have them do be your number one contender shot if you really want to push your whole Gaethje against uh, Connor. Connor. 
Because I, yeah, I think the money will. Connor's fighting for the belt, guys. I don't know why we're fighting this. Connor's fighting for the belt, whether we all want it or not. Because he's for fighting some for the belt. reason, that it's still seems so ridiculous. Even though I know it's very realistic, it's like, going to be Gaethje. Just hearing you say, it just makes. I know it's money, and I know it's McGregor. It's just, it just seems so out of this world. Even though it's Connor McGregor, it just seems. Connor's crazy. on a winning streak. It's all but, he needs. <laughs> but moving on, we have the fights this weekend, and. Not again. Not another star, like a lot of star power, but the main event is very impactful for longtime fans and very meaningful because one of the greatest of all time in the top five, pound for pound, best of all time, and the greatest middleweight of all time. This is his last fight this weekend in Anderson Silva versus Uriah Hall. You guys aren't excited for Greg Hardy? We'll get to his bum ass. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Easy. I mean, the dude should be in jail, but, you know, here he is professionally fighting. Well, now he's getting paid to do it against men, what he did to women. What do you want? Him to be in jail. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to see him get hit, though. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that's really coming out of this. The only just Watching him getting punched in the face. Um, look, I have been a tall t- Like, I think Anderson Silva's top three to ever do it. He's got a highlight reel. Better than most, if not. I mean, the dude's knockouts are insane from start to finish. Like these knockout submissions. I mean, there wasn't too often from for probably four to five years during uh, more than that. You know, the, he had that reign of terror before he messed around with Weidman and got clipped and then broke his leg and never really came back mm. the same. But like, he was just knocking people out for fun. If he couldn't knock you out, he submitted you. I mean, his only close fight really in a, was the one fight with Chael Sonnen. Mm-hmm. And then Chael did his spinning back fist in the second one, and Anderson really probably went out with the first time I think I've really seen Anderson with malicious intent to hurt him. But actually, I think uh, all in all, with this main event, I think Anderson gets the win to go out on his high note and uh, walks away with his hand raised and retires or possibly goes to Bellator because I think he said he's not done fighting, but he's done fighting in the UFC after this. I don't know. I think for Uriah Hall, he really has to go out there and, like you've said, it's not the best version of Anderson Silva. But I think Uriah Hall really needs to go out there and take him out and like definitively put the nail in the coffin that is Anderson Silva's UFC career. Because just looking at his stats when it comes to his win-to-loss ratio, he's 16-9 to right now. Nothing too impressive. Now, granted, if he's on a win streak or not, record alone, he's not the most impressive guy when it comes to his record in this weight division. He needs movement. He needs to do something. He needs to go out there this weekend, and he needs to put Anderson Silva down. That's It's plain and simple. I don't know if I'm necessarily putting all of my money on him, but in terms of how I see this fight between two fighters, who needs what more or what this would mean more. Anderson Silva, regardless if he loses, is still going to go down as one of the best in the business. Uriah Hall needs this win. And if his mindset is anywhere towards where mine is, you know, thinking about this fight and where it lines up for him, if that's his motivation, then he needs to go out and he needs to come with a strict game plan and just go back and watch the long highlight reel that is Anderson Silva and try and figure out where that weakness is and end it. Not just let it go to decision, not have a good fight. He needs to end it. Well, if you want to talk about where to put your money, looks like Uriah Hall is about a 2-1 to one favorite 
across most books. So, well, Uriah Hall is a feast or famine. He's either knocking yes. you out or getting knocked out. So, which has not bode well for him in the past. Well, there are some another fight that I would be excited for being a hardcore fan in the co-main event with Andre Philly, who is a great striker, and I believe he's from Team Alpha Male, mm-hmm. against Thug Nasty, Bryce Mitchell, who is a ridiculous submission artist. It's not many people you see who not only get a twister finish like he did, but actually actively goes for twisters. And you know you're a tough guy when you put a drill bit through your scrotum. <laughs> he did it. And then get back yeah. up and come back to fight. I'm sorry, can you explain for some of us? <laughs> Wait. He was he was doing work on his house. Wait, I'm not sure I want to hear, actually. Was doing some work, wasn't paying attention, no, 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 no. and the drill, whoop, right through. First off, all right, dude, I, I mean, I work in construction. Do you know how hard that is to do? Like, I don't understand. That, that sounds like a lunchtime break he's, like, like, that, it, that was he's, made. No, he's a redneck from Arkansas. He was probably drinking. It's still, like, I'm trying no to give him something. To do it, you have to intentionally. He gave himself something. It sounds like a scrope pierce. It, it did. Like, <laughs> it, it, you have to intentionally do that. Like, yeah. Well, you have also. <laughs> we'll come back to this, but we do also we have to? No, 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 we don't. No. Yeah, maybe we're just, maybe just going to leave it at scrope pierce. Well, and then <laughs> <laughs> well, you also have Bobby Green trying to extend his win streak against Tiago Moises. Bobby Green's trying to get back into the rankings, and he's you know he's been on a on a run. So we'll see what happens there. And like Dan said, Greg Hardy versus. Maurice Green, and I think if Greg Hardy wins this fight, he could potentially get someone like Big Ben Rothwell, the gatekeeper to the top 15. But we're all hoping he doesn't, and he gets laid out in the middle of the octagon. But at the same time, seeing Ben Rothwell's big fat ass beat the shit out of him would be interesting. It's almost like, all right, do I want him to win yeah. in order to get knocked the fuck out by somebody better? And, uh, and here, by and Fat here, Frankenstein? And here's, and here's the reality of it is Greg Hardy is about a 3-1 to one favorite. Bobby Green's about a three to one favorite. I want to ask you guys because this is the only one that appears close. Who do you think is the favorite? Embrace Mitchell and Andre Philly or whatever it is. I would say Mitchell. I would say Thug Nasty. Yeah. I I don't know, dude. Yeah, I, I really don't. Um, Mitchell's the favorite, but it's pretty close. But I'm also yeah. a little biased. I'm not a big fan of Team Alpha Male. Yeah, but when it comes down uh, to is, I, I mean, the funny thing for me is anytime I see Bryce Mitchell, for some reason, I think he's just going to be this scrappy stand and bang kind of guy. And for him to be as good of a submission technician as he is, it always throws me off. Like when he goes to the ground and just to see him work on the ground the way that he does, it's absolutely insane because I always just think that he's going to just go in there and absolutely demolish a stand-up game or just get hit and just keep throwing. But nope, he'll, he'll just take you down and submit you quick. Well, I was hoping to see him against, um, what's his name, Ryan Hall, the guy who submitted BJ Penn in the first round. Mm. I would have thought that grappling match would no, have been really an fun to see. Anymore. Yeah. It, not beating BJ Penn isn't an accomplishment, but submitting BJ Penn? You're talking about a tarnished legacy. Yeah. yeah. If that guy would have retired, he would have been the greatest lightweight of all time, no argument. But he didn't. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, from from what it looks like, the main card's going to be a fun one. It really is. Uh, I think there's a lot at stake for a lot of the fighters here. Prelims, I mean, I think, again, it's going back to what we've said on earlier podcast, how you really have to take the time to watch these ones. 
you, you know, instead of just watching all of the pay-per-views that have a lot of star power behind them. These are the ones where a lot of people, especially on the prelims, are coming in, looking for their opportunity, and trying to make a name for themselves. So it's something to look forward to. It's something to tune in for. You know, obviously you've got a major main event, a couple good ones on the main card uh, leading up to that. But even with the prelims, take the time to watch it. Watch some of the up-and-comers and really, you know, see how they take their opportunity and what drive and motivation they have trying to make a name for themselves starting out in the UFC. Look, uh, I'm, I'm liking, I, I've, I've been a huge Anderson Silva fan for a long time. So for me, this is kind of a nice little time to just watch him go. Sure. Hopefully he goes out on the win. But what I'm really looking forward to is potentially watching Greg Hardy just get knocked out. Like that's really <laughs> yeah. the goal. Uh, I would love to see him, you know, laying in a puddle of his own blood, maybe bruised and battered like he did to his uh, ex-girlfriend. And hopefully get sent back to jail. That's really the only push I got for this outside of Anderson Silva. Bravo. Or, you know, like Dan said, hope he gets a win and then gets in there with some of the big boys and watch the big boys destroy him. Like his one fight against Volkov, where Volkov just picked him apart. Yeah, I'll definitely rounds. never cheer for him. But the, nah, the, the, the best part is if he wins, he may get an ass whooping next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm cool with an ass whooping from the lowest ranked guy to the highest ranked guy. Either way, <laughs> beat his ass. To the wolves. Very yeah, true. Beat his ass. Problem is, he's getting better, and he's in a good camp. Why'd they take him? Damn Since you, when are you a glass-half-full guy? Damn you, American top team. Like, the only time Paul's a glass-half-full guy is like... Is when he leaves a beer half-full. <laughs> oh. It's three-quarters. I drank three-quarters. No, I drank three-quarters. Oh, okay. I don't Paul, just it. say it's backwash, dude. We would have all believed you. <laughs> we would have all been like, you know what? It is backwash. It is pretty tough. Go get a beer yourself, you little bitch. Not a drinker. <laughs> There. Neither John. am I. <laughs> yeah, but you're on a show in the right. Well, I guess I am. Yeah, on you are too. too. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right dead, you know, front and center. And then you got your own little chair in the corner. Special yeah. guest, Sean Hardy. Yeah. Little Who goes bitch. by his, you know, full name. There it is. <laughs> All right. So it sounds like we're going to be wrapping it up in a couple minutes. So any other th- betting news, Dan? Anything you're going to jump on the lines? Anything you like? I mean, I don't know. I listen to you. Well, I usually bet against you for UFC, so um, I'm sure it'll be asking. But again, when you look at this card and you and you look at three pretty heavy favorites, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of value, which is why I wanted to ask you about that uh, that Mitchell fight, because that feels like the only one where you could potentially have uh, some interest. Uh, Mitchell's a minus 150 favorite. Uh, so Andre Philly is plus 120, so he's the closest thing to upset potential. Uh, if Sean were to bet on Anderson Silva, he is plus 185, so if you believe that that's possible, there's value there. Uh, but again, Uriah Hall comes in at more than a 2-1 to one favorite, it looks like. I think the money actually moved, because I think I put uh, money on Anderson last week, and he was at like a plus 250. It sounds like the line's starting to shift a little bit. Uh, it could be money coming in on him. So, yeah, I definitely put money on Anderson because even though I've seen him lose like four times now, I still refuse to accept that he's going to lose until he does. Uh, He's not on that level anymore, but I can see the belief still. Well, let us know. Anyone who's listening, of course, go ahead, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Make sure that you're reaching out, letting us know what you think in terms of your favorites. We will do our best to always live uh, tweet 
the events like we've done a couple times at Buffalo Wild Wings now. And then just let us know. We always post before the fights. We ask you who you have in terms of your picks. And then if it comes to a decision, we always try and post uh, what our decisions are based off of what we saw. We'd love to hear from you before the judge's scorecard comes in. So, of course, if you're listening now, go follow us on Twitter. Make sure you're staying interactive with us, telling us what you like, what you didn't like, and you know what you want to hear from us. Before we go, and I know we're recording, there is a big fight tonight in Bellator. I know it's an organization we don't talk about. Too much. Um, Douglas Lima, the welterweight champion, fighting Gegar Mousasi for the vacant welterweight Mm. champion. That should be an interesting fight tonight. Absolutely. So something to definitely tune in for and try and catch. Middleweight. Yes. Vacant middleweight, yes. But other than that, you know. It's going to be a good card. Should be an uh, entertaining card this weekend. Hopefully these guys show up and show out and. Hopefully we get to see Greg Hardy lying face first on the mat. Yeah, maybe Paul Hardy will watch instead of Paul Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to end. That being said, I'm Paul Ryan. I'm Sean Hardy. <laughs> I'm Robert Huber. Thank you. Fraud. Rude. Punching out for the night. Thanks to our producer, Dan, and we'll see you later. <laughs>